Hey, if I haven't met you, my name's Josh. I'm the lead pastor. On behalf of me and my wife and our team, our elders, I want to just say to all of our guests, we say welcome. Make yourself at home. Maybe you're here for the first time and church is not your thing. I pray that after today, maybe church will be your thing. Uh, Not because of us, but because of him. I pray that um, you would meet him today, that you would hear a little bit more about God's plan for your life. And again, I'm grateful that you would come today. Hey, I'm still kind of reeling from last weekend, Easter Sunday. I want to say thank you to all those that call IFC home, that brought your friends, that brought your neighbors, your guests. Man, together, um, we had over 2,200 people in the building. It was a record for us for, for many, many years. Uh, and, and greater than attendance, we had 141 people raise their hand and make a decision for Jesus last weekend. Come on, that's what we're shouting about. And, and I want to say to you, um, follow up with your friends. Follow up with your friends. You planted a seed last week. Some of them came. Some of them responded. This is a great week to follow up with a phone call, a text, a coffee, and just say, hey, how you doing? What do you, what do you think about what happened last week? And begin to minister to them on your, on your time with them. Uh, I want to just take a, a few minutes today, and I want to talk about some basic stuff. Everybody say basic. And, and I won't take it for granted because not everybody's grown up in church or been, uh, been around church very long, but uh, today as, as, um, as your pastor, I want to I go low today. If I say go low. And I want to talk about just one of our basic tenets of faith. I want to talk to you about one of our doctrines that we believe in. And, and while I'm there, if you're new to IFC and you're, you're, you're wondering who we are and why we're so crazy, uh, I, I, there's a lot of information on our website about our, our core beliefs, our core values, and there's actually a statement of faith on there People come up to me after service all the time and say, do you guys believe in this or that? Are you one of those kind of churches? And I kind of say, yeah, we are. <laughs> I think. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But I want to just challenge you. If you're new, you should know what we believe here as a church. Uh, not, not for us, but for you. If this is where you call home, you should know what we stand for, where we anchor our faith. And I'll say it to you, we're word people. We are. We're word people. We believe that the the Bible is the inspired word of God, and it is and always will be the foundation for our life and the way we raise our children and the way that we impact society. But we're also a spirit-led church. Everybody say spirit-led. And that means we're not stiff and stale, man. We like to have fun. I believe the Holy Spirit is the secret sauce to the life of a believer. I believe that with my heart. You don't have to believe it. He's the secret sauce in my life. I was, I was eating wings this last week, and I love wings. Any other wing connoisseurs in the house? Oh, man, y'all never invite me over. I don't know what's going on. Who's got a smoker? Who's like to smoke some wings? I see you over there. I, I was eating some wings this last week with, with, some, with a friend of mine, and then the lady brought the, the sauce. I like, I, like, um, I like barbecue sauce. Anybody like barbecue sauce? I like sweet baby rays. Y'all like sweet baby rays? Yeah, I like it on the label. It says right there, the sauce is boss. You know what? I believe the Holy Spirit is the boss to our sauce. And I told the lady, you need to bring me some more of that sauce. I was cleaning it out, licking my fingers. There was no more chicken left. I just want all that sauce. I really believe that he is the sauce to, to the secret of, of what, we, what we do and what God's called us to do. But, but here's the thing. It's not just for us. It's for the world. So I'll say it to you this way if you're new to IFC. We're a word-first church that's led by the Spirit, and our goal is to reach the world. And we believe that it starts in our neighborhoods, it starts on our streets, it starts on our jobs, but it extends all the way across the planet. Some of y'all came from across the planet. 
Where's all my international folks at? Y'all are getting quieter. White people outdoing you each week. Come on. Come on now. Y'all, y'all got to bring that sauce, your flavor. I said all that to say, it's fun to have, it's good to have fun in church, right? Today I want to talk about uh, baptism. I want to talk about a very uh, elementary uh, faith statement that we have here. We believe that not only you should give your heart to Jesus, but we really believe that you should follow that up and be water baptized as a public declaration of your faith. And so for the next few minutes, I want to talk about baptism. And I wrote this out. It's all going to be on the screen so you don't have to take notes if you don't want to or you're too lazy. Water baptism, you're not lazy, I know that, you came hungry, get your phone out, get ready. Water baptism is a symbol of Christ's burial and resurrection. Say, it's just a symbol. It don't get you saved, it's just a sign. Our entrance into the water during baptism, it identifies us with Christ. It identifies us in the death of the cross, it identifies us in the burial of the tomb, and it re-identifies us with the resurrection of Christ from the dead Water baptism signifies a brand new life. Everybody say brand new. It's a symbol of your new life as a Christian. The apostle Paul said, man, I love this message of Christ. I want to be in on all of it, the death, burial, and resurrection. And I'll say this to you. If you've accepted Christ, that ought to be your heart. That you you identify not only with the resurrection, but that the old man of you is dead that he was buried, that that guy, he's long gone, and and, in the time that he died, Christ resurrected you, and you've come alive new in Christ. Anybody like new stuff? Like, I love some new stuff, but I like old stuff too. You know me. I like antiques. I like rusty pickup trucks and dirty old boots. I like old stuff, but there is something about newness, something about fresh life. There's something about bringing a baby home from the hospital. All the mom said, oh, there's something about something new when someone buys you a new pair of shoes or you go to the store and you buy something. You feel better. And I believe that's what baptism is. It's a fresh start from your old way of living. And so I want to talk just for a few minutes about this. The, the, the word baptism comes, for all you technical Greek people, it comes from the word baptismo, which means simply to immerse or to dunk. Now, I'm not against what everybody else does. There's other churches. They sprinkle people. Uh, I've seen churches get water hoses and hose people down. Uh, I just, I just go and do what Jesus did, what we read in the scriptures today. I'm a Christ follower. You do what you want. But in my life, I follow the word, and it says that Jesus walked into the water, and John baptized him, fully immersed him, and when he is brought out, man, God recognized that. And so here at IFC, we believe in the full-on dunk mode. Everybody say dunk them. And so next Sunday, we're going to have our tank set up over here, and and, and we're going to celebrate with all those that are turning over a new leaf. They're saying yes to a fresh life in Jesus. And I'll say it this way. It should be a celebration for us. And so we're going to celebrate with those. This word baptism was used when they talked about ships that had sunk. They were filled with water. And they sunk to the bottom. Another, another usage of this word is when they used uh, the word to describe a, a, a garment, a piece of fabric, being immersed into dye and the dye penetrating every fiber of that fabric. Those are two great illustrations of a ship going down and some cloth being immersed. Listen to this. When we're water baptized, we are signifying that we are no longer living life on our own. That ship has sailed. 
We are signifying that we have been filled with the life of Christ, and it has affected every area of our life, including our spirit, soul, and our body. You know, I'll say it to you this way. It's not for everybody because not everybody's ready to say yes to Jesus. But once you have said yes to Jesus, it's appropriate, and we're going to get into this, it's actually ordained by God that you should be dunked. Everybody say dunked. I always wanted to dunk a basketball. I, I never could do that. So I just dunk people in water now. That's my, that's my dunking. And by the way, it's dunking season here at IFC. I really believe that something happens when you come up out of that water that your life is fresh and anew. For some of us, we, our, our past needs to stay in the past. And today and this next week, we're going to celebrate a life under Christ. So let's talk about this. I'll give you just a, a few points. But what is baptism? And why should we be baptized? Number one, everybody say number one. If you're taking notes and you should be, it's an act of obedience. It's an act of obedience. When we receive Christ, the next step for us is to be water baptized. It's an act of faith and obedience in the commands of Christ. Listen to this in Matthew 28. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus right here is sending his disciples out and saying, go preach the gospel. Go tell them the good news. And after they've received the good news, let them profess their faith publicly by being immersed, by being dunked, and then teach them to walk in my law. So here's the order. You give your heart to Christ. You accept the good news. That's for me. I'll take it. How many of you have accepted that good news? I took it for me. I didn't take it for you. When I got saved, it was all about me. I was being selfish. I was on my way going to hell, and now, excuse me, I'm on my way going to heaven. That's personal. But after that, now it becomes, hey, I've made a personal decision, and I want you all to know about it. That's where baptism comes in is I don't want to keep this silent. I want to obey Christ and go public with my faith. And then after that, now I can be schooled and trained in the word. Everybody say amen. Amen. Baptism is about following Christ to the end of 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 the end of his commands. Water baptism is the first step in obedience after accepting the Lord. Listen to this. Number two, it's a sign. Everybody say it's a sign that you've decided to follow Jesus. I grew up in a church where we sang songs like, I have decided. Oh, y'all went to that church. I have decided. I can't sing, so y'all have to help me. I have decided. Come on, y'all, one more time. No what? No turning back. That's what baptism's all about. It's a public declaration of, hey, I want everybody to know I have decided to follow Jesus, and I ain't never going back to that life. I, you ain't never going to see that old man again. You're never going to see that portion of me. That dude's been dead, and now I've been resurrected. I'm following Jesus, no turning back. For some of you this next week, that will be your story. When you get in that tank and Pastor Mo or Pastor Tom or myself, we pray for you and say, do you believe that Jesus is the Lord of your life? Yes, I do. Do you commit to follow him? Yes, I do. Will you ever turn back? No turning back for me. What is it? It's a line in the sand for a believer. 
And I want to challenge some of you. Listen to me. Some of you have been saved for a long time, but you've never crossed over that line and publicly declared, I'm with Jesus now. And and, in those those days, I I can't go back there. But let me say this to you. By an act of obedience and your faith, guess what? You'll have power over temptation after you come out of that water. Some people say, I don't know how to get past the junk. I'm saved, but I'm still bumping up against the same junk. It's about you recognizing publicly, hey, I need some accountability. I used to be this, but today I'm getting dunked after this. I ain't never going back. I think about the, the marriage ceremony. We love people getting married. Yeah, I've married many couples in this church, Pastor Tom and others. Uh, marriage is a big part. We're a family church. We got a lot of young people, man. They all want to get hitched. And, 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 and I love it because I believe that God ordained family. I said, God ordained family. It wasn't your idea to get married. It was his idea to get married. We'll leave that one right there for a moment. But when, when Steph and I got married, we, we, we didn't get married uh, privately. We got married publicly. Who did we invite? Who, who did you invite to your wedding? I, let me say this. By, by the way, if you're getting married, don't invite people that you don't know or don't care about. It's going to cost you a lot of money for that chicken dinner. You know, Steph and I went to weddings. We've been to weddings, and you have two, two 300 people. Who are all these people? Like, I don't know. I think they're kids that used to grow up on our street. I don't know. People just trickling in. No, for Steph and I, it was, it was intimate. We invited only 50 people. And to some, that would be big. To, to us, it was small. I just wanted my friends and our close family to be there to celebrate with us a public declaration of my faith in, in, in this relationship with my wife, with God at the center of it. And what do you do in a marriage? You, you, you exchange rings. You exchange vows. You exchange words. But then we exchange rings. We put these rings on our fingers, and we, 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 we keep them out so people know you're married. Let me speak to all the men. If you're married, you should wear your wedding ring. And all the women said, if you don't want to wear the ring, don't get married. I'm so, I'm just going to step on my soapbox for a minute. I'm so sick of meeting men who say they're married, but they won't wear their rings out in public because they still think it. Well, maybe, maybe I didn't choose. Shame on you. That deserves more than a little golf clap. Oh, (laughs) listen, listen, listen. I'm giving you an example right now because if you're ashamed of your wife, you'll be ashamed of Jesus. And I I did this publicly, and many of you men in this room and wives did too. We made it public with our faith to say, hey, 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 you need to know I ain't single no more. Y'all thought I was going to be single. Y'all told me I was ugly and stupid, but she loves me. She thinks I'm awesome. And I looked my wife in the face and I said, you're awesome, baby. And then I told her, and I'm awesome. And together, we're really awesome. With God in the middle, we're going to do something for God. We made a public declaration. And we wear rings on our finger to let people know, I ain't single no more. I I should just have a men's conference right now. Some of you married men still hanging out with your single guy friends doing single guy stuff. You're not single anymore. You're married. Go home. Go home. You don't need a night off. Well, I go shoot pool with the guys on Thursday nights. So what night does she get off? 
She's home taking care of the kids, doing the dishes, doing the laundry. We can start a women's ministry right now. I didn't mean to get into all that. Listen to me. When I got married, y'all are just too much fun. When I got married, I made a declaration to everybody around us. I'm with Steph. We're together. For till death do us part. When you get water baptized, you're doing the same thing. You're saying it's me and Jesus forever. And let me say this to you single people. You should get baptized and commit your life to the Lord before you ever put a ring on your finger. You get dunked in that tank. You're telling every single guy in the house, hey, I'm with Jesus first. I'm a follower of him first. I'm never turning back. So if you want to put a ring on it, guess what? Jesus going on the date with us. Mark 16, 15. <laughs> Number three, it symbolizes the old you is dead. Why are we getting baptized? Why is it important? Number one, we're being obedient. Number two, it's a sign that you've decided. But number three, it's a symbol that the old you is dead and the new you has been reborn in Christ. Amen. It's a symbol of fresh life. It's a, a brand new start. It's a, it's a way of reminding your own flesh. Everybody pinch yourself. Remember, you're a spirit that lives in a body and has a soul. You're a three-part being, a spirit, soul, and a body. And every once in a while, you got to remind your flesh you're not in charge. Because your old man wants to creep up and say, hey, remember we used to do this? This was fun. Remember we used to go there? That was a blast. No, 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 hold on. I made a decision in that tank in front of my friends and family. I'm going public with this. You no longer have authority over me. It's a way of reminding our flesh that you have power over sin, just like Jesus had power over death. I love the way this is said in Colossians 2 out of the message. He says, going under the water was a burial of your old life. For some of y'all next week, it's going to start as a funeral first. Coming up out of the water was a resurrection, now the rebirth. God raising you from the dead as he did Jesus Christ. Listen to this. You were stuck in your old sin-dead life. You were incapable of responding to God. But God, everybody say, but God. But God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of this. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. It's a symbol that that old guy's dead. Those old habits, those old hurts, those hang-ups, I've nailed them to the cross. And because I nailed them to the cross, when he died, he covered them in his blood. They do not exist anymore. My sins of the past have been forgotten. I have now been renewed in Christ afresh and anew. I'm a new person. The Bible says it very clearly. You are a new creation. You were created again. You were reborn. Nicodemus couldn't understand this in the Gospels. He's asking Jesus, how do, how, oh, you want me to enter my mama's belly again? He's saying, no, 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 you're not understanding. Jesus did it for you. You don't have to die and be born again. Naturally, you're going to die spiritually and be reborn again, recreated in Christ. What does that mean? It means I have a new hope. I have a new future. It means I have a new rule book of how to get through this life, a new system of how to build godly relationships, how to set systems and patterns in my life so that I can be like him. When we surrender our lives to Christ, we're declaring that we are free from sin 
and from the bondage of sin that used to ensnare us. And guess what? That baptism seals it. It seals it. Number four, y'all still glad you came? Y'all are much more fun than the first service. I'm just kidding. Y'all are only more fun because you've had coffee. They didn't come, how they... They didn't have coffee. Y'all already had coffee. Don't, don't act so holy. They, they fasted. They're actually more holy than you. They fasted coffee. They came to first service. Number four, why do we get baptized? It's a reminder. Everybody say it's a reminder. It's a reminder that your name has been changed and your identity has been rewritten. If you want to hear more about this, come next week. I'm going to talk about our identity in Christ. I talked about it a little bit last week when we talked about Peter recognizing Jesus. Jesus confronted the disciples, and he said, who do men say that I am? Ah, you're a prophet. You're this. You're that. You're just the guy next door. You're just a carpenter's son. And he said, let me ask you another question. Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the living God. You're the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You're the anointed one. And in, in a moment, he said, hey, because of you knowing that, let me tell you who you are. You're Peter. You're the rock. And on this foundation, I'm going to build my church. What was he going to build the name on? Somebody else's name. Somebody else's revelation. Somebody's identity was revealed through Christ. So let me say this to you. When you get water baptized, it's a reminder. You're no longer Joe Schmo. You're a child of the king. You're no longer just somebody trying to survive. No, no, no. You've been recreated to thrive and dominate in this life because Jesus lives in you. The Bible says that same resurrection power lives in us. And when we get baptized, yeah, I think it this way, it ignites that part of us. It, it ignites us and reminds us, no, no, you're not just Josh Roberts. You are Josh, a saint and a son of God. And when you recognize your identity, now you can take your authority. Revelations 2 and 17 and chapter 3, verse 12, he says, I will give him a new name. I'll give him a new name and I'll write it on a stone which no one knows but who receives it. When you give your life to Christ and you get baptized, man, he gives you a new name. And maybe not everybody will know it, but you will. You'll know what he's called you to do. You'll know your purpose. You'll know your identity. Life comes into focus. He said, I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and my new name. I have friends that have been adopted and they didn't want the old name. They couldn't be so excited because their parents were abusive and when they got adopted, the thing that they were excited about not only was the family but a new name because that old name reminded them of their past. I wasn't going to say this, but I'll share it with you because you came. A few years ago, I found out I had a brother that I didn't even know. Wow, is right. His, 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 he, didn't, he didn't know his father. Mother died when he was early. And 38 years into his life, he found out that he does have a father. And he was so excited to meet us, his brothers and sisters. Me and him are just almost a year apart. To know that he has been missing out on not only a family, but the greatest thing was... He wanted a new name. 
when you go down in the water and you come up, the label that somebody put on you, the name they've given you, the identity that somebody tried to mask you with, guess what? That no longer has a hold over you. And for this purpose alone is worth getting baptized. That you now identify with your future, not your past. You identify with your good heavenly father, not your old abusive father. The Bible says in this moment he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. And he gives you a new identity. For some of you here today, this, this next week is so important for you. Because it's the final freedom to rip off that badge that somebody's been calling you. or lording over you or using to abuse you or control you or manipulate you when you give your life to Christ and you get in that tank and you get water baptized all the chains are broken off all of that is stripped and I'm going to tell you this you're going to feel free like you've never felt freedom in your life because no man can hold you down no man can hold you to the past Christ is setting you free Number five, the final one, the reason we should get water baptized, it signifies that you're part of a new family. Baptism connects us to the body of Christ. It reminds us that we're not doing life alone, that he's called us to do it within the family of God. 1 Corinthians 12 says, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. Hosea said, I'll call the nobodies and make them somebodies. I'll call those who are unlovely, I'll call you loved, beloved. In the place where they used to yell out, you're a nobody, Christ then calls out. No, you're God's living children. When you come up out of that water, you're going to find not only a new name, but a new family. You're going to realize that you've got brothers and sisters alongside of you and moms and dads that, that, that will surpass any other people in your life because you're connected by a covenant with God. For some of us, a baptism means a separation and walking away from some relationships that are trying to hold you back. In all sincerity and all honesty, the greatest adversity I've had in my life was the people around me. The guys I used to do drugs with, trying to keep me there. The guys I used to party with, trying to keep me there. And every time I try and do things, even on my own, to get my life a little bit better or cleaner or straighter, even in my own natural, it always felt like there was a rubber band tied to my back and my crew would pull me back. I'm going to tell you this, when you give your heart to the Lord and you get water baptized, that string is cut forever. And you'll look up and you'll realize, wait a second, there's a whole group of people that are for me. And instead of feeling pulled back, you're going to feel something. It's going to feel like a push. It's going to feel like a group of people pushing you towards God's plan and His purpose for your life. You need that in your life. You need that in this day and age. And if you haven't had that, man, next week is your week to know that you have a family that's cheering you on. Praying for you, encouraging you, and wanting to walk with this, walk this life with you. So who's baptism for? It's for tons of people, but here's some some groups. Number one, it's for those that recently started a relationship with Jesus. After you've said yes to Jesus, your next step is water baptism. It's also for those that have resurrendered or rededicated their life recently. If you're like me, 
I, I, there was a time where I got saved as a little boy and, and, I, and I walked with the Lord as well as I knew. But then there was a time where I veered off and did my own thing. Was I saved? Yeah, I was going to heaven. But was I living for the Lord? No. I had turned back. Baptism is for those that, that need to come home and make a fresh commitment. Maybe you've been away from the Lord and you say, I was baptized at one time, but man, I've been out of relationship with God. I'm not living the way that I know I should. I want to rededicate. I want to make a recommitment. Publicly let people know, I, I'm, I'm moving forward again. Forgive me for that, but I'm moving forward again. And then baptism is for those that, that recognize the importance of it. The biggest question I get with baptism is, 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 can we dunk our kids? And my question to you would be, do they understand what they're doing? Do they have a comprehension that Jesus is the Lord of their life? That he's God's son, he was sent to the earth to die a shameless death for them. Do they recognize and understand the power of the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead and that life has been given to them and authority has been given to them and there's a purpose? Do they have an understanding of that? If they do, I would say, yes, they should, they should get in the water. They should make a public declaration. If not, just wait. I meet so many people that, 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 and this may be for you, you say, man, I was dedicated as a baby or I was baptized as a baby, but it meant nothing to me. It was all about my parents. Let me tell you this, if you want to live a life moving forward, God, you should get in that tank next week. Whether you were sprinkled at some church or whether you were dunked as a kid and didn't understand what it meant, it's about understanding, recognizing, and then saying yes to Jesus. My eight-year-old son, he was here in the first service. For three years, he's been asking, can, we get, can I get baptized? He wanted to get in the tank with Pastor Mel. I think he just wants to swim laps. And so I've been putting it off because I ask him, what does it mean? What does it mean? What do you understand? Why do you want to do it? Well, other kids are doing it. I said, that's not a reason to do it. But this last week, he's been asking. I heard they're doing baptism. Can I do it this time? So I had him come first service and sit in here. I wanted him to hear what we're talking about. And today, in this week, we'll have a discussion. Hunter, do you understand what's going on at eight years old? He has a full comprehension. Now the question is, is he ready to go forward with his faith? And if the answer is yes, then I want to say, get your kids in the tank. They don't need to wait till they're older. They don't need to wait till, till for whatever time in life. Man, when they're fired up about what God's done in their life, let them profess their faith. We need kids to stand up for Christ in their schools, on the playground, in the face of adversity, with all the pressure. I don't think kids should get baptized. Fine, don't baptize yours. I'm dunking mine. I want them to go to school on fire for the Lord. And when some kid says some crazy crap that they heard on the internet, I want my son to say, I, I, we don't believe that in my house. And you don't have to believe that either. We need a generation that will speak up for the Lord. And it's never too early. Don't discount the kids. I hate to tell you, but in my own personal belief, I don't believe revival is coming for the old folks. And I put myself in the old folks category. When I read the scriptures, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all. But then he starts talking about the young men and women first. There's young people in your home that they've been talking about the Lord. They're having experiences with the Lord. And if they're ready, let them do it. Let them profess their faith. Let them declare Jesus publicly next week with us. What a celebration. So let me wrap this up. If you want to get baptized, next week's the week. Turn to your neighbor and say, maybe you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I want to. 
So here's how you do it. You can go to our app. If you have our app on your phone, you can go to the app. You can register. If you're not technology savvy, go straight out to the hub after service. Go right in the hub and just tell somebody in blue, say, I want to get dunked. I want to be baptized. They'll sign you up or you can go to the website on your own. Next week, I'll be honest with you, I'm praying that I don't have to preach. I'm believing that there's going to be so many people that want to get baptized. We're just going to worship and celebrate with them, and that takes over the whole service. So here's the thing. It's your choice. What's going to happen? Are they going to hold me under the water? Nobody's going to hold you under the water. Get that question all the time. They're going to simply dunk you and lift you up. Was the water going to be cold? No, man, you're at Club IFC. We warm the water here. Some other churches, man, you get in and it's like, ah, not here. We warm that junk. You want to get in and stay in. Like, I feel the Holy Spirit in here. You got to get out. There's more. But I want to ask you as your pastor, would you take that step? Maybe you're here and you haven't taken that step in your faith. Next week's your week. I know I've gone just a few minutes over my normal time, but I'd like to have about five more minutes if that's okay. I want to talk about one more thing. Everybody still good? I ordered pizza. It'll be here in a few minutes, so don't worry about it. We'll talk about our encounter night. It's coming up on Friday, the 28th. It starts at 730. The year before last, the Lord really spoke to Steph and I and our team about having some extended times of prayer and worship here at IFC where we, where we turn the clock off. You can't see it, but there's a clock right here that tells me that I'm six minutes and 28 seconds over my time, and I just ignore it. But there's times where we just need to come and gather in the presence of God and we just need to say, we're just going to hang out as long as we need to. doesn't mean we're going to try and stay all night. It just means that we're going to let God do what he needs to do. And so we set these services up to to have some prayer time and some worship time. And we're going to do that. We brought some great gifts and some speakers in last year. And we'll continue. I'll tell you about some some guests that we're going to have later in the year. I'm, I'm super pumped about the guests that are coming. I believe they're bringing a deposit for you and for your families but this one on the 28th, we, we're going to re-engineer it a little bit. We're going to call it Family Encounter Night. And on this night, we're, we're, we're going to ask you to bring your kids. And I'm going to ask you to bring your teenagers. And we're going to worship God together, and we're going to pray together, and I'm going to minister. And, and then we're going we're gonna to minister to families as a whole. Because I really believe that, that if we're going to move into what God has for us as a church, it requires the whole family being engaged, not just mom or not just dad, or not just mom and dad, but when a whole family chooses to worship God, I'm going to tell you, there's a blessing that comes on that house because there's unity there. And, and I want to I read the scripture to you because I think it's important that you understand where I'm coming from. Proverbs 22, verse 5 and 6 says, Thorns and snares lie on the path of the perverse. He who guards his soul stays away from them. So train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This Friday night service is a training time for your kids and your young people. Yeah, but my kids, you know, they're young. You know, they go to bed early on Friday nights. That's a lie. There's all kinds of crazy junk that you break the rules for to let them stay up late. Is it true? Be honest. Just be honest. Cousins come in town. Oh, the cousins are here. Let them stay up all night. And you wake up and they've raided the cookie you know, cabinet. There's stuff everywhere. So many times I hear people, well, my kids go to bed early. So do mine, just not on this night. 
This is a night for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Together we're going to come and we're going to worship God. Yeah, but you know, um, my teenagers, they don't really like it. Who asked your teenager what they liked? Your teenagers are led by emotions and feelings in every decision. They're using their emotions and feelings. And yet you say, well, we're not going to make emotional decisions. So we don't need to make an emotional decision about this. We just need to make this a mandate for our homes. Hey, for me and my house, this is what we're doing. You live in my house, you're coming to church on Friday night with me. Oh, well, you're being so strict. Let me ask you something. How important is education to you? We live in Boston. This is like higher ed capital of the world. There's more PhDs in this room than the state of Alabama combined. (laughs) You have more master's degrees than we can hang on the walls in here. We love higher ed, but what what about higher ed when it comes to spiritual things? I mean this, and I'm, gonna, I'm challenging you parents. If you want to see kids grow up and, and experience the fullness of God, it doesn't start when they're 18. When, well, when they have a choice, we'll let them choose. They're going to choose wrong. They're going to choose wrong. It's our job to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. I, I, I realize this isn't popular up here. I, I don't care. I'm not here for a popularity contest. I'm trying to save your house and save your kids and your grandkids and make sure the gospel goes forth to the next generation. And there has to be some mom and dads that put our foot down and say, enough's enough. We're doing this together. We believe in Jesus. We're going to serve him with everything in us. And we're going to go and we're going to experience the presence of God. For me and my house, we're going to do this. For all the teenagers here that are really ticked off at me right now. I love you enough to tell you that these services. They changed my life. And I didn't want to come either. I said I didn't want to come either. And even on those Friday nights at these services, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be a part of it. But I'm 47 now. And I can look back 30 years at 17-year-old Josh that was sitting in these services, and I could tell you, something happened to me. Something happened to me, not in the moment, but over the course of deposits being made. And I'm going to tell you this, as a young person, as a teenager, as a young adult, when you put a value on the presence of God, you'll always win in life. When you recognize that He comes first in your life, You'll always have a great job. You'll always have great friends. A provision will happen with God at the center of your life. Doesn't mean there won't be obstacles and trials, but you will overcome them. And here's the thing. You have to understand that that we're going to send our kids out into the world where there's not an amazing worship leader like Jimmy playing and setting the tone for us. There will be a day in their dorm room where all hell's breaking loose and they need to know that Jesus is for them and they have a relationship and the presence of God can come in right there and change that mode. So, into my rant, I'm inviting you, come join us. Friday the 28th, we'll only have kids' services for those five and under. Everybody five and up, there won't be classes that night. We're going to ask them to come in here. And again, you want to bring your kids in their, in their nightgowns? I don't care. I'm going to bring my babies in our nightgowns. As soon as we go home, I'm going to put those dudes in bed because it's going to be tired. 
You need to bring the bottle and the sippy cup. You need to bring the iPad. I don't care. Something about being in the presence of God, the tangible presence of God, saturating their lives, their minds, their ears, their hearts, setting them up for a win. Amen. Would you stand with me? Father God, I thank you for this crew. I thank you for this amazing church. Thank you for allowing me to do life with these amazing people. Lord, we're committed to following you. Lord, we're committed to to following you with every bit of our being. And Lord, next week we're going to celebrate with those that are taking a step in their faith. We rejoice with them. We celebrate with them. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord. Maybe you've never invited him into your life. Today's your day. You don't got to wait till next week. Today's the day. The Bible says that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again so that you could have everlasting life. The Bible says life more abundantly. What does that mean? Better than average, above par. It means successful, productive, healthy, whole. It means you have vision. It means you got purpose. It means you have a destiny. It means there's a calling on your life is what it means. If you've never discovered any of that, you need Jesus today all across this room and online if you're watching. I just ask you to raise your hand and wave it at me. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you down front. I won't make you come out. Yes, sir, I see you. Yeah, I see you right here. Yeah, yeah. You say, I want the Lord. Yeah, I see you. Wait a minute. All right, got you. You say, I need Jesus. I see you right here on the front. Wave it at me. Yes, sir, I see you. Anybody else want to join these brave people and say, man, I need Jesus in my life. I need hope. I'm lost, man. I, I, need, I need some light in my life. It's so dark right now. I see you right here. Yep, yep. All the way in the back, see you guys. Come on. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Greatest decision you're ever going to make right here, right now. Anybody else say, man, I'm done with this old life. I need a new life. I need a fresh start today. Pastor, I've been messing it up. I've been mis- making mistakes, making stupid choices. I, I, need, I need a better life. I want Jesus today. I'm choosing him. Anybody else? Last call. Maybe you're online. Just let them know in the chat box. Type it right in there and say, somebody pray with me. I need that Jesus today. We've got a team that will pray with you. So many hands went up. Look up at me. Look up at me. We're a family church. We do this together. I I believe what the Bible says. He says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we're going to just call on him right now. Some of you have done this before. Some of you do it on a daily basis. But for some of us that raise our hand, this may be the very first time we've asked the Lord to help us. So let's do it together. Say, dear Heavenly Father. Just say it right out of your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his redemptive plan. Thank you for sending him to die for me. Pay for my sins. Past, present, and future. I believe that the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead so I could be reunited with you, my Father. So today in front of my friends, in front of my family, I declare Jesus as the Lord of my life. Amen, amen. Come on, make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer today. Amen.